This is D.A. Nichols, and the podcast is One Day's Burning, where I try to go through and get rid of one piece of writing a day uh, until either I can't stand it or I'm done. Um, And today, I've actually already deleted the piece of writing. Usually I save that for the end, but it was just so obvious. It just seemed right to just get rid of it ahead of time. So... um, Not that it was particularly bad. You know, it wasn't... Obviously, it wasn't great, because I'm getting rid of it. But it just was one of those that you don't need, because you could write it again if you needed to, um, but you wouldn't. At least I wouldn't. This one was... uh, I'll tell you the title, and I feel like that's enough penance for both of us. Uh, It's called um, All for the True Author, and... You can tell with that kind of archaicism in there that, you know, the true author, that it was kind of a, well, first of all, that it was about writing itself. Um, and secondly, that it had this kind of uh, push towards a, a a platonic or a universal kind of uh, thing, which is very much against the common grain of things. You know, and why that is, is when... I was somewhere in my 20s, and I was boxing out, you know, what makes it worthwhile, I think. Something like that. But what's interesting is I I, I put across the top um, this phrase, you know, how things change, dot, dot, dot. You know, note to myself sometime before. And um, while one of the reasons this was kept to begin with was certainly that it had a little bit of truth, and it had um, an okay ending, and it felt like something that could be revised, certainly. Um, There's this kind of archaeological layer to it, where it's, that's where I was then, and that's interesting in itself, and so I'm going to keep it around. Uh, Probably I'll never get to it, but uh, somewhere in the accretion of my papers, um, that'll be an interesting point or something. But, you know, in the spirit of this entire project, it's good to know yourself. It's good to have that, but it's really not going to generate good work uh, on its own. It was just not necessary to keep. Um, and that's, that reminds me, there was this author I know, uh, knew, and I asked him, you know, why are you keeping your letters? Because he had just had his letters um, transferred to someplace. And he said, well, you know, he just gave me this kind of slight look. And he says, I guess it's mostly vanity. But, um, you know, that, that some researcher or somebody's going to be interested enough in your, in your work to figure out exactly what you were thinking here and there. Um, and... It was he was a little coy, but he was also probably correct, right? So keeping stuff like this, maybe it helps you know yourself, but how much of it is not just a little touch of vanity. I should hasten to add that it's automatically different if you're talking about a successful piece, right? But, I mean... It is interesting to know what goes into things that are 
either important failures or um, good work. And I don't know about you, but I love reading uh, authors back and forth with other author friends or about their work. So I think there's certainly something to that, something worthwhile. But also the question is, you know, how much is vanity? How much can you let go? And to kind of challenge yourself with that, because probably it's more than you think. And there's no reason to keep it up on the wall or in a in a shelf um, just because it's something you once did. So, you know, the reason to get rid of this one in particular were, were those things that it had to be revised if it was going to turn into something. And it was also not something that I'd want to revise because the ideas contained were also old ideas. And I don't think necessarily true ones because it was ensconced in this this idea that I've, I've moved away from but is is really just out there in the in the air about poetry being primarily about expression even if you think there's good expression and bad expression and speaking for myself uh, I think it's much more helpful much more true to say it's actually about communication and expression is a means and in some ways a side effect or something you get extra with successful communication Um, and that in so doing you give the the reader the ability to have something similar something parallel uh, without it being arbitrary on their point, you know, like a, a Rorschach or, or something. So, you know, this is the accessibility debate in the poetry world, and I am pro-accessibility, just not that it has to be uh, slavish, uh, so that, you know, the only thing you can do is uh, things that uh, can be read on the side of a bus and and consumed and understood in, in one sitting there. That's not necessary, but... And that is a pretty good segue into the poem I'd like to read um, by George Herbert, because this piece is immediately understandable um, and is one of those you can just sit with for a long time. It's called Prayer One. He will often return to uh, the same title and elaborate um, but so this one's prayer one. And the thing to know about George Herbert is he was actually an, an Anglican uh, clergyman. And he is known for these kind of um, intense, personal, but also quiet uh, reflections. Poems that were honest about the spiritual life um, and often formally interesting, different than what a lot of other people do, were doing at the time. And it is, in some ways, exactly opposite of the poem that I got rid of. It's, you you couldn't move anything and have it be uh, the poem that it is. Um, And it isn't, you know, dependent so much on the person's mind that you can't have that kind of immediate and lasting 
engagement with the poem. And it's a sonnet. I was reminded of it recently by, um, there's a book by Robert Haas, uh, former poet laureate, I believe, who called a little book on form. And he goes through, and one of the interesting things about that book is it doesn't just talk about formal poetry as we normally think of it, but what's the form of um, poetry on a more basic scale, especially now that we have free verse. Um, so what's the line like? What does it, how do we generally put these lines together? And eventually he gets to the sonnet, and then it's just, you know, example after example after example, because we love sonnets, uh, pretty much. But this one, I think, is interesting because it's not narrative, um, and because it resolves, it is itself kind of the thing that it describes, um, or that the ultimate object of the of the reflection is. Uh, and I'll, when I read it, you'll either see that or or it'll take some time, perhaps. But I think it's a remarkable poem, and I. It's one of my absolute favorite of his. I had a defense of this in in college where you know I had wrote a paper and I had to defend defend it. And I was absolutely torn apart be, <laughs> because um the version of this that I got had somebody do a lot of editing with the punctuation. And if you know anything about um older English writing, I mean, punctuation is not your friend. It's not a sure guide. And almost certainly it was not so exact as this person, I think, kind of brilliantly um, carved it up to be. <laughs> so I based a lot on that uh, of my argument and I walked in and they're like, well, that's just, let's look that up because that doesn't seem likely. And they were absolutely correct. Um, it's one of those things you learn as you go. But um, let's read it. Prayer One by George Herbert. Prayer the church's banquet, angel's age, God's breath in man returning to his birth, the soul in paraphrase, heart in pilgrimage, the Christian plummet sounding heaven and earth. Engine against the Almighty, sinner's tower, reversed thunder, Christ side-piercing spear, the six days world transposing in an hour, a kind of tune which all things hear and fear. Softness and peace and joy and love and bliss, exalted manna, gladness of the best, heaven and ordinary, man well-dressed. The Milky Way, the bird of paradise, church bells beyond the stars heard, the soul's blood, the land of spices, something understood. It's one that wants to be reread, I think, um, it's just one of those that is good for time aside and to think about. Uh, but in any case, and the the structure of it is, I think, remarkable, not just because it's non-narrative, uh, but because the whole thing builds up to the last bit, which is something in a sonnet, but it's compressed, in this case, into the last two words. And that is pretty much all I have tonight. I hope that if you're um, doing anything like this project yourself, uh, that is going uh, in a fruitful direction. It has been for me. 
and I'll see you next time.